0: Welcome to one more episode of the Type Theory for All podcast. This is your host Pedro Abreu, and in this episode, me, Eric, and Nitin continues our conversation started in the last episode. This time, we move our attention to the cool projects happening in Coq. In particular, we comment through the projects mentioned by Andrew Opel on his keynote, Coq's vibrant ecosystem for verification engineering. That took place in CPP 2022, which is a conference co-located with BOPL. So without further ado, let's get into it. So because Andrew Appel actually had a, a talk about about a bunch of cool stuff happening in Cock. That I actually wanted, I, w- I would like to to talk about this stuff with you guys. Um, I don't know, maybe we, disc- we we can come up with some interesting discussion and and see what are, why does Andrew Pell thinks Cock is such a vibrant vibrant ecosystem for ver- verification engineering.
1: I'll I'll say uh, I I see one of the the tools listed on this is uh, Iris which yes. used, I guess uh, there were a lot of Popple talks which used Iris as sort of like a like a building ground for extending like different separation logics in different directions um, like, like concurrent separation logics and stuff like this. So let's um, take a
0: step back. So Iris. Implements separation logic, uh, a separation logic framework, if I understand correctly, for Coq. Right. Now, the question, my question, for taking a step back is, why is separation logic interesting?
1: Oh, I mean, I think I, I, don't know if this is correct, but I thought like the idea of Iris or the development came to like try to have some tool to mechanize proofs about like. Uh, you know proper memory usage in the style of rust, yes, at least yes types.
0: yeah, so the main idea of separation logic, if I understand correctly it is this notion of of ownership, right like yeah. you can only use your resources once or you you have to take ownership of that resource, which is kind of the main idea behind the type system of rust, and then they built rust belt on top of iris if I remember correctly. Because of that, right? Okay, gotcha. If if I understand correctly, I
2: think I think there were two separate things said there, though. Because I, using your resource once is not the same thing as having ownership over your resource. I, I think they're like dual concepts.
0: Can't you implement one in terms of the other? Can you um, implement one in the ter- in terms of the other though?
2: I don't. I'm inclined to say I don't think so. One of them is linear types, and the other one is ownership types.
0: Mm. Yeah yeah I, that's really out of my of my knowledge yeah. but okay yeah that's that's <laughs> good a, a good thing to keep in in mind thanks for bringing that up so another another project that he he lists is well of course he would list it because his the father i believe is vst verification software tool chain. you guys know what that's about it's a really cool project honestly actually no
1: i have not i've not heard of this one so much
0: right so the, the verification software tool chain is a framework that translates. It's very similar to that thing that you were saying that they translate oh. C code to Isabelle. Autocore is. Yeah, yeah it's AutoCore. For Yeah, But this one is for Coq.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Gotcha, so gotcha, gotcha. gotcha. They, they they get a subset of C, which they call C-Lite. I don't remember on the top of my head uh, what they, left, they leave out of C, but it seems to me that it's almost everything it's in the C light mm-hmm. and then they translate they not only translated to cock but also they provide a really nice framework in a separation logic or, uh, i think core separation logic style oh. for reasoning about your c code and then they provide a bunch of automation t- tactics to automate things for you
1: that's Amazing. nice. I I don't believe that auto is. I think it just lifts into a whore, a, whore, a a regular horror logic. I don't think there's a separation logic component to that. Yeah, yeah
2: which yeah, would be yeah.
1: which would be quite nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So it's it's it's. I, I don't know if it's, it's that's the right name separation horror logic. What I want to say is that there is a separation logic, and and you use that in your in a, in a horror style, right? In the sense of pre-conditions and post-conditions, because that's how you reason about imperative code. To be honest, I think that's really ugly, but it's how you reason about imperative code and imperative code is ugly. So that's me. That's my hot yeah. take for the episode.
1: Yeah. There's, there's one in AutoCores where you just apply the weakest precondition tactic and it blows away all the triples and all you're left with is a couple proof obligations that look like normal tact- like goals. That must be uh, I don't really neat
0: in, in Isabel, though, because everything is so automated, right?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And the yeah, basically, all you you lift it in cores, May you might have to adjust some like precondition, postcondition, then you just blow it all away with weakest precondition, then you're left with the meat of what you need to prove.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: So he also mentioned CL four. CL four is not cock, is it? Hmm. I'm confused now.
1: I don't know. Maybe they've I don't know if they've, like, ported some of that, too. Maybe
0: maybe he was, you know, like, giving a a, a broader framework, like, talking about, in a broader sense, not only COG and in in this part here, because I, I didn't watch the talk. So, anyways, he also talks about cause, which is, I think, a it's, it's Stanford project, where they're verifying a really big chunks of a an OS... So Ceric Ceric Cos, Os, Os, something along those lines.
1: Concert. Not too familiar with that one. Yeah, or with the cos one.
0: And then yeah, of course you you have to talk about concert when we're talking about about formalization, of course. So for those who are not familiar, what concert is about is. Do do you do you guys does someone wanna wanna take this one?
2: Uh, Go for it. it's a fully verified c compiler yes Essentially. Yes. what's so exciting about it so yeah I'm the wrong person to talk about this I, I'm not so first of all you know that Gcc clang they have several bugs within yeah. them. so you add yeah. formal verification to the mix you can exclude at least certain classes of bugs that said I i I don't know how they've Done it with Comcert because, as far as I understand, a lot of like the semantics of C is actually undefined, and they actually leverage that for optimizations in these compilers. So I don't know how much success com- Comcert has with that undefined behavior. But so the there, question there, is, there, what they are actually proving?
0: There, there is some, there is some research. So the, the only part that they they left out that they didn't prove some some stronger properties of of the compiler is the parser, if I remember correctly. But there's some research. Of you know like how many bugs they could find in C compilers, and Comcert was shown to have the least amount of bugs, and that was amazing. Yeah, it's. I think it's important to mention that Comcert I think, was one of the first really big projects in in COC in the the field of compilers. You know, so I don't know. So the, the guy who did this, um, what's his name, uh, Xavier Le Oh my god! I just butchered another name. How many names am I gonna butcher in one episode? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm count. gonna talk. Count. Let's 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 use no, yeah. So Xavier Le He's he's insane, man. How how do you you know like how do you wake up one morning and you're like, you know what? I'm gonna verify a C compiler using cock. Who does that? It's
2: oh, I gotta what I'm admit, saying. it's a dream. Right? Like, yeah. right, and
0: he did it. That's the worst part. He did it. He,
2: he did. did it. Yeah. Oh man, he's a hero for us. Thanks, <laughs> Noah. <Noir. laughs> I'm really curious, like how Com-Cert, like programs compiled with Comcert compared to programs compiled with GCC and clang Good in terms passion. of performance. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe that that research that I was talking about, I, I'll have to link that in the in the description as well. Find the, this research that I was talking about. Maybe it doesn't even exist. I'm I'm making up things on the fly here and, <laughs> and well, I'm full of shit. I do But yes, yeah. I will I will provide the papers backing me up, or at least I'm gonna say, hey, I was full of shit in that part. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So another project that. That he mentions is Bedrock's C toolchain. You guys know what Bedrock is.
1: No, I've heard you know? of Bedrock systems as a company, but I don't really yeah. know what they do.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bedrock, um there, there is there's a collaborator of of Ben that is his in our Slack. I don't know how is much to Greg? collaborate nowadays. Yes. So Greg Malaka, he was I don't I don't know if he it has any share in this company but he was he's definitely the lead proof engineering behind bedrock and what they're doing if I remember correctly now it, now I can get, go really wrong they're formalizing a hypervisor oh so I'm not I'm not an OS person I'm not really sure yeah. what a uh, if, if any <laughs> any of you want to explain what a hypervisor is please take this
2: right so a hypervisor well i'm not an expert either but a hypervisor is just essentially a system to help run operating systems while logged into your current system like it's like virtualbox vmware those are hypervisors what's what's the difference between
0: yeah uh sorry the difference between between what a hypervisor and a.
2: A box that you a... oh, said. virtual box yeah, and virtual, box. Uh, virtual box and VMware are examples of hypervisors. Ah, gotcha. Hyper V by Microsoft. Yeah. Okay.
1: okay. I, okay. I was, so... Is this sort of to address like security issues with things like ah. Docker or similar systems? Uh, so I think
0: for it, it... for Bedrock, what they're doing, they're actually doing that for what's the word? Autonomous cars. Yeah, pretty cool, exciting
2: stuff. Hypervisors for autonomous cars. I don't
0: even know what that would mean. I can can be really, really full of shit now. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, well, I mean, the the autonomous car, they must have an operating system, right? So this hypervisor piece is kind of like a piece, an important piece of the operating system to make sure that things are going to behave properly, right? Something along those lines.
2: I'm beginning to wonder if hypervisor is being used in a different context here. Like, it might be the same thing, but
0: I... <laughs> I'm going to stop here understand. because I think I already yeah. I already said way too many shit about it. <laughs> 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 um, so Andrea Bell also mentions CFML, uh, something called, which is characteristic formula of for a program logic for OCaml. Uh, I
1: thought this was going to be like verification of ml systems which i i I don't really i I don't know how people approach this but i i've at least at popple this year i saw people talking about trying to use abstract interpretation to verify that calculations are within like use inner like box things with intervals or something and then like intervals in higher dimensional spaces or like your boxing functions to certain regions or something like this uh, I guess, I, I mean, if ML largely boils down to, you know, functions, massive functions, then I guess that kind of makes sense as a verification goal. <laughs> but there's a lot of talk about that in pople It all goes over my head, but um, it's interesting to see um, that on the table.
2: Yeah, it would be fun to have a talk with an ML expert and try to figure out what the place for yeah. dependent types in machine learning are.
1: Well, I mean, Tali is like, like on Twitter, she's like right yep. in that space, interacting with both of those communities i, I yeah mm-hmm. it's it's really it's, it's interesting really, to it's see it's exciting
2: yeah
0: well the next the next project that he mentions is refine c this is this was uh, this one was definitely a new one for me i never heard about this one but apparently it's refinement types and separation logic implemented
1: with iris so i'm wait so for the refinement types part is this like refinement types in the program that you are verifying, or you get refinement or do you have some notion of like refinements that you're being able to use when you're verifying something like as in as in to say uh do you have um, are you verifying a language with refinement types in separation logic or do you have refinement types available for you in verification hmm.
0: That's a really good question that I don't know.
1: Yeah. Like, I'm (laughs) not sure.
2: Another open question is I'm curious how this differs from uh, Ranjit Jala's work on liquid effects in C like languages. That would also be.
0: Isn't liquid types kind of like. That's the half notion of refinement
1: types, I believe. Right. But
2: he also has something on liquid effects for languages which are closer to imperative languages. And I'm curious what the distinction between this and that would be. Yeah, I don't.
1: I don't know. I it, like. Also, Scala has a like uh, some like Scala stainless. I believe is what it's called. I, but that seems to fall more of like the liquid Haskell doctrine. I don't know if that has anything from this liquid effects notion. I don't. Do you know who publishes in that space? I've I've not heard of that before.
2: I'm not not super sure, no. Liquid Effects was the...
1: Yeah, Liquid Effects.
0: It was... Liquid Effects. Maybe Nikki Vazo has some stuff
2: there.
1: Well, Google tells me it's uh, lotion, so I don't think I got the
2: right... Uh, Deterministic (laughs) parallelism (laughs) via Liquid Effects. Oh, okay, I think... (laughs) I think I think the name of the paper has answered my question already. Deterministic <laughs> parallelism via liquid effects. <laughs> okay. Okay. Huh.
0: Wow. Well, damn. Okay. Moving on. And then, so all of this was tools for verifying imperative programs. That's that was the last one. And then the the next. Umbrella he puts here is tools for verifying software in general. And he mentions this one tool being developed in MIT, I believe, called Koika. Koika
2: yes. is, is, actually... is the effect language, right?
0: Yes, it's MIT. It's a core language for rule based hardware design. Oh, never mind. So, right. What was I yes. confusing with? Yeah, well. They are they are building a design language inspired by Bluespec blue Bluespec System Verilog, and I don't know. I think it it feels to me that this is kind of a used to be Kami At some point, I don't know. I know Kami was very similar to this to this idea. Maybe they're different projects altogether. But
1: I'm curious to know what this is because uh, what we're, we're... Uh, One of our hardware verification things, we're using um, something called rewire, which is you're able to sort of specify your uh, RTL language in Haskell and it'll synthesize to VHDL or something like this. Wire? Rewire. Rewire. It uses something called a reactive resumption monad to sort of model um, circuit effects.
0: That sounds really interesting. I wonder I wonder if you do that. Wow. I wonder if you do that, you come up with all your language in that, and then, I don't know, use some tool like Cock Haskell, you know, like to, to put it in Cock and reason about your code.
1: You could do something like that.
0: Or... <laughs> Or if it would be better to, hmm, I don't know. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, thoughts. I
1: mean, it's it's better than RTL is disgusting to write in or disgusting to read too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: nice. oh my god. I got to yeah. When I was in inside in five, I had I was implementing the floating point unit using this language. Like, so I said I said. Koika seems similar to Kami because I use Kami for this implementation. So basically what I was doing is programming hardware in Coq. So I was doing two very hard things in one. Yeah. Oh my God. I almost, it it was hard. It was hard. That sounds painful. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds interesting though. It was very interesting, but don't put floating points in front of me. Anyways, so then the next umbrella he puts here is about functional programming and so again we're talking about verification in in coq in general so what are the tools available for reasoning about functional programming in coq the first one he puts is the coq standard library say, saying coq std plus plus i don't know how standard it is really i don't think this is maintained by the coq team uh is it
1: maybe it is I- See, MPI
0: no created list maybe it is I'm not sure I don't know
1: oh uh, I think yes it's, I'm seeing uh, it too yeah
2: You're
1: yeah right. Max Planck Institute software or something
2: hmm
0: but that that's that's a really cool thing though because I don't know like it feels like Cock is becoming a much more community based and not not so centralized just for the developers because their core developers is is very limited and as the community is starting to take charge you know of developing stuff and maintaining cool stuff there's actually there's there is another really interesting project um that call anyways they're 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 trying to have the curated list of of important bigger projects in So in order to get maintainers to actually keep these projects alive even though Cox is still evolving. So every interaction interaction, like every new release of Cox, there is someone that's gonna go through and make sure that things is still working and not breaking and come up with a new release of this library. And that's an amazing, amazing stuff going on in our community. So if you I have I have to look at the at the name of this, it's a GitHub project where they list everything and, and the people who's actually in charge of maintaining the code so if you if you are a cock user and you want to volunteer yourself that would be amazing an amazing amazing thing to do
1: i on one one actually real quick note on the community is uh i think it's like in a week from now that um there's a new proof assistant stack exchange is launching in beta oh
2: yeah like hour.
1: yeah yeah so exactly. it should be, it should be bring together folks from all the various, uh, theorem proving improvement communities to yell about why their proof assistant is dumb. And <laughs> also, you know, how to do things.
0: So but what's, what's the idea of this theorem improver? or oh, of this, of this new stack exchange, because I, I think it's for both
1: implementers in the community and folks trying to learn these things. Uh, like, I mean, if you're a mathematician wants to like, I mean, go from like lean to maybe something like Cocker or whatever, and there's not, you know, you kind of want to have someone like either <laughs> with you to like you know, tell you the difference or some things or like give you know help you locate resources, stuff like that. Um,
0: it's a place for us to hang out, you know, in a sense of yeah, get putting all these people with different backgrounds together but with the same goal, yeah. which is reasoning about theorem. Is it theorem provers? What's an yeah? Of I think stuff, it, right? I think
1: it's like theorem Prover stack exchange. I think it's also to solve the problem where you have a whole bunch of things like um, uh, you have a whole bunch of things like people asking about formalized proof in like stack the mathematics stack exchange or theoretic computer science stack exchange, or you have people asking like pr- more programming related talk problems in like software exchange. It, it's just finding a place to you know you know aggregate all of these into one spot where it actually fits.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that one is, is really cool. Yeah, that would be awesome.
1: Yeah, I think it uh, should be like, yeah, beta. And, uh, I think it's February. 8th. Yep.
0: Nice. Eighth, uh, right? The eighth. So next week, next Monday.
1: Yeah. We're in here, I'll February. Post it. I'll post February. it in our little chat here, and then we can... Oh yeah, two. gotcha.
0: Yes, I'll. I have to put this in the notes of the podcast so that I remember. To put Area fifty
1: one stack exchange. <laughs> the... Yeah, this is yeah. There's staging zone. So you like you had to yeah. propose and meet a certain threshold so that the, the, the people would be like, okay, we'll make you this community, or like on our on our site here. Cute. <laughs> yeah, yep. that's
0: funny. So coming back to the projects that we can use in Cock in order to verify. Formally verify functional programming stuff. You also have the foundational cryptography framework. I have no idea what that is. Huh, this next one has a has a funny name. It's called FOCQ. Fuck you. Yeah. F-O-C-Q. Yeah. And they their formalization of floating point stuff used by computers. Hey, safe. your favorite. <laughs> well, as long as it's not hardware. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's no. Keep it away from me. <laughs> yeah. Then we have cock We have intervals. Oh, this interval is, is is actually interesting. It's a it's a project for reasoning about bounds for approximation errors.
1: Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, if, if hmm. it's kind bounds of like when you're dealing errors.
0: with with floating points, then there are some approximation errors going on. So it's kind of like gotcha. to fill the gap between working with your formalization with reals with is how your actually numbers work and yeah. your implementations which is actually floating points right so kind of trying to fill that gap i believe yeah which is important it's really important uh, mathematical components did you guys ever ever work with with mathcomp no but
1: i'm wondering if um... I I I've been watching the London Lean seminar because I'm curious as that? to what mathematicians want to implement in Mathlib and where their pain points are. I'm wondering if um I don't know if Coq has an equivalent to sort of Mathlib like what what's Lean is building. Well, it's just it's basically like a large hierarchy of algebraic structures.
0: I think I think that's Mathcomp.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah but the key thing about mathcomp is that it not only formalizes a bunch of amazing mathematical stuff in in, in, in Coq, it also kind of provides a bunch of tactics in order for you to better better reason about all this all this mathematical stuff
1: does it involve um uh, Popo, reed was mentioning that he was working on um yeah you know, there are existing like mathematical solvers like sage or magma or something like this um but these are these are sort of for solving specific problems not necessarily proving theorems and i don't know how much of that sort of tooling has entered the interactive theorem proving um sort of community whether as like an augmented way to i don't know solve certain like word problems in um I don't know. Like, it, it's really good at reasoning about uh, algebraic structures, like solving problems. Like, it's it'd be like adding an automated theorem prover, I guess, almost a cocker or something like that. I don't know if folks have looked in that research. Um,
0: What's the name of that again?
1: I I I don't really have a, a good reference for you. I know Reed was talking about it at Popple. and oh, okay, okay. it was basically just saying, "Hey, what if you know we took." sage from, you know, something that's well used in the mathematical community, something they're comfortable with and tried to add this to cock in some way that makes sense.
2: Uh, let me look at, I'll pull this up real quick. Uh... Open source mathematical software. Yeah, it,
1: it just says Sage can perform various computations, right? The basic algebra and calculus, for example, finding solutions to equations, differentiation, integration, plus transforms, blah 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 blah. But apparently, for mathematicians who are uh, using tools, they're they're more likely to be using these basic algebra systems than Coq.
0: Oh, do they? Yeah. How do you, how do you how do you prove things in that? That's...
1: I don't think they're. It's not necessarily for. Proving per se, I think it's mostly well, it's not like an interactive theorem prover, it's more of a solver,
0: yeah. Right, so more of an automated theorem prover, we can say, sort of. Is it a
2: solver? It seems it seems to be it says that it builds upon existing packages like NumPy, SciPy, so it seems to be more mathematical computations, Mm, just Mm. the computation part.
1: Maybe there was another one too. What's the
2: Sage first? Yeah, I'm looking at something called SageMath. Looking
1: for Oh, I see SageMath. Oh yeah, sagemath.org. Yes, this. There was there was another one. It's not called Magma. Or, no, yes, Magma, a computational algebra system. This is probably more of what I was thinking about. Uh, okay, mathem- it provides mathematically rigorous environments for defining and working with structures such as rings, group fields, modules, algebra, schemes, curves, graphs, blah, 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 blah. So, babe, that's probably more of what I'm thinking. Magma also supports a number of database designs to aid computational research. Yep, and those of mathematical. In areas mathematics, which are algebraic in nature,
0: is that one is that yeah. one developed in the University of Sydney by any chance?
1: Uh, it says math.use and maybe usyd.edu.au. Yes, A- yeah, that looks like yes, yeah. University of yeah. Sydney.
0: I was yeah. I was there. I had the chance to use that for our cryptography class. And oh it's really? So, it's so cool. It's so so cool. okay.
1: If you've actually used it, then so what? Yes. What is it? What is it like versus like an interactive theorem prover?
0: It's more co- a computation thing, you know, like okay. because because what what is what is, well, I used it for in, in the in the realm of cryptography. So, for example, for applying the Caesar cipher to a to a, to, a, to a text, you know, like and to the d- the d- d- decipher. So, for example, one really cool thing that I remember was. I provided a text, a plain text, well, uh, an encrypted test, test. and then it would give me the the percentages of occurrences of each letter, for example, so that I could fit that back into what's the the most likely word, like letter, because there is a letter that happens the most in English, right? And then interactively by using the tool and the, and the, the, the software they actually provide, they already implement. All of these interesting functions that you want to use for cryptography, right? For deciphering and to decipher. So it makes your life so much easier. But yeah, I use it in the context of encryptation. So it's it's not really doing proofs. It's, it's actually just as Nitin said, I'm doing the computation. But it's really providing yeah. all the support that I need to do that computation. Right?
1: They have a lot of yeah. things with uh, big scary words. Like sheaf homomorphisms,
2: oof. <laughs> oof,
1: no, yeah, fun like this, yeah. Um, or they've got algebraic geometry in here, topology, they've got you know, simplicial I... homology, if you will. Ooh. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, I think I think if we stop, stop, stop where we are with the three of us, stop where we are, and learn a lot about cryptography i think we could do a lot of money we could make a, so much money yeah. <laughs> you know, like, just proving that all this I stuff mean, actually works I, and is correct yeah
1: i mean isn't that i mean you could at any point go to one of those crypto formalization shops right and verify their language i mean i guess that's more formalizing True. their language True. rather than the actual cryptography, but, cryptography. <laughs>
2: yeah well I mean, that, was, that was the core behind developing FStar, right formalizing cryptographic protocols Oh really? It was one of the core motivations, yes.
1: Gotcha. Well, did did F Star have any like overlap with Galois? Like, were there any like crypto converts that? Or the uh, I'm on? not really sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: Good question. I don't. I don't remember seeing any of that because I remember when I was there, I, I hovered over trying to see all the projects they had and talk to yeah. people, but I don't. I don't remember anything related to F Star. I remember I saw oh, even, I guess, even lean at some point, but not F Star. Yeah. I, I guess F-star F-star keeps
2: rapidly them... changing, so it's it's kinda hard to adopt outside of yeah.
1: I guess crypto will be more about I want to verify like my spec and then F star would be I yes. wanna actually verify my code that implements this spec.
2: Uh they also yeah. did construct like a domain specific language within FSTAR, particularly for crypto like Implementing cryptographic protocols, I believe. I, I forget the name. It had start. Yeah, I, I I don't remember, but I'll I'll probably send it to you after the talk, and like you can add it to the references, Pedro.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Don't worry. No, but um. Oh my god, I I blanked now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I wanna learn uh I wanna spend some time hacking around with Star. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. That is some,
1: you this... know, yeah,
0: go ahead. You know another thing that is really on my learn list forever now is learning some lean as well. I've like never touched any lean code and I don't know, there's so much happening that I just feel like missing out so
1: much. <laughs> yeah. I the thing that is weird about um, like the thing that's weird about like Lean and its users, from what I've seen, is uh, that this goes back to sort of the uh, uh, the Popple workshop where it was like Kevin Buzzard and uh, Nicholas uh, from um, sorry, the Cock maintainer. Oh, I forget his last name. This begins with a or ends with a T. Inria. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Uh, it's a, like the lean community's um, willingness to just like give up on subject reduction. Ah, they oh yeah, just, yeah, like, yeah. You you watched yeah. you watched
0: that discussion. What happened there?
1: Give us the yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Well, Kevin's Kevin's idea, because like, he's. I mean, he just basically talks with a whole bunch of mathematicians. He's like, okay, when I'm when I'm doing my mathematics, I want simple rewrites and quotients that work. And that's all, that's, that's what I need. That's why uh, I feel like I'm missing in like a normal proof assistant. And so they're, they're perfectly fine with the way like Lean implements quotients, but folks, type theorists in the audience were like, well, the way you implement quotients doesn't, it, it, like breaks subject reduction or, you know, stuff like
2: this. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Quick, quick interjection here, what's yeah. subject reduction?
1: It's, you know, that you, when you're reducing a term, it stays the same type. Oh,
2: preservation, OK.
1: Preservation, yeah, basically, yep, 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 yep. But um, yeah, or, like, it's one of these like foundational properties you'd expect to have, but quotients break it. Huh.
0: <laughs> yes, it's, Wait, it's the same as type preservation. If
2: quotients break it, does that mean? Their
1: implementation. I don't know exactly it's in what details. That There's... means it's unsound.
0: The type system is unsound.
1: Yeah, so if you look That's at, cool, cool. Uh, you can find like GitHub issues with discussions about this. So I guess- like. Oh my God, that right discussion now. is it's so good.
0: heated. It's so funny yeah. to read because at some point, one of the maintainers developers of Quark is, is just so uh, inflamed. Like he, yeah. is, he gets really snarky at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah.
0: It's funny. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I,
1: don't, I don't know. Yeah,
0: so go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's it's very interesting, all of this discussion, because I was actually... Was Leonardo there in this? Uh,
1: no, he wasn't. There was...
0: So for the listener no. who is asking himself, who's Leonardo? So it's the creator of Lean is Leonardo de Moura. Leonardo de Moura. Well, anyway, so I was actually watching... Uh, a podcast he went to two podcasts and one of them i have the luck to be in portuguese so like i'm like oh my god i want to i want to share this one podcast with everyone but nobody speaks portuguese so but but the second one was for Joey's Dodds podcast building better software oh yeah and it was a really cool so- podcast because he is really passionate about the project and he's talking about the difficulties and kind of the vision behind Lean. And that's exactly the point. Like The vision behind Lean is to be a practical tool for mathematicians. And I think that's a very different vision for Coq, where it seems to me that the vision, the original vision, I don't know how it is today, but I think it's, in a way it's it's still that. But the original vision for Coq is to implement a beautiful type system, right? Like, It's really look at dependent types and implement that. And how can we build a nice directive theorem prover from first principles? So it's not only a usable theorem prover, but a correct by constructor, like first principles and everything is well done. And Agda Agda kind of takes that to the next level, if I understand correctly, where, they even learn from the mistakes of Coq and, and even implement things in a, an even more foundational and cleaner way, in a sense, because it was newer and they could you know, like, learn
2: from the I, I don't the know if I agree not. with you on this. I might be missing some critical information here because I don't know a lot about Lean in particular. Uh-huh. Like, for example, I did not know about like the uh, lack of subject reduction, but to my understanding, Lean and Cox type system is actually based on the same foundations. Yeah, Koch- and Agda Koch- is actually just like, uh, and Agda. I'm not sure if you would call it Cox simplified exactly. It 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 completely oh, I didn't foreclosed... say Cox. I didn't say simplified. I, I uh, said that you learned right. from. You're it right. it. I guess I, I guess I heard. Yeah. I mean, I was listening to what you said, but I took the wrong message from it. Okay. And like yeah, it 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 sticks with predicativity and does not go into the realm of predicativity at all, as far as I've seen so far. I think they do have prop now, but I don't I don't recall whether that's actually I don't think that's actual in predicativity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But
0: it's it's that's that's kind of beyond beyond the point because like even Kokan himself, like the father of Cock, worked in in Agda. He he works in Agda nowadays. So so <laughs> Agda Agda and Cock has is the same thing in a way. They I, they, I just, they, they I, definitely I, do have the same foundation. So so here's here's the thing that I wanna that I wanted to to wrap up my my what I was saying about Leonardo, is that he is not a type theorist to begin with, and and he always made this very clear that he was kind of like learning as his, he goes. So for those who doesn't know as well, he is also the father of Z three. Z three is the most is the most widely used SMT solver. And he's the the person behind that. And he, I think he got bored at some point like, okay, what's the next very hard problem I can work on? He's like, oh, yeah, let's do a, an interactive thing. Before. And he's like, okay, how, how, how am I going to do it? Oh, I don't know. Shouldn't be that hard, right? So in this podcast episode, he's like, turns out it's really hard. <laughs> uh-huh. And he was kind of learning as he goes as well. That's why, that's why he started from scratch for Lean 3. And that's why he's kind of starting from scratch for Lean 4. As well. I mean, yeah i'm curious
1: how you just kind of dive into that i mean i feel like most most of us in PL research are like all right well i'm gonna start with our simple type systems and build up or like yeah, you know yeah, encounter yeah. dependent types via like yeah. working on a he theorem wanted to do like apparently this.
0: he wanted to do a, a a very usable good theorem prover that would be more usable than say Coq, but he had no idea how hard it was gonna be so he I don't know he's just he and his team is just so extremely smart that he he just kept learning and learning from the mistakes and i don't know i think in a way how lean is doing the stuff is kind of the future because i don't know from all i see and i read things are very well done but i don't i'm not i'm not really sure how this lack of you know, for example, breaking subject rejection, like how much does this actually impact the language? Because
1: I mean, the mathematicians know? would largely not care. care in a way. So my question like if is, you... why,
0: why okay. we as programming language people would care? Why, why does it care for us?
1: Because I, right? I, I think we're, we're looking at them as like studying them as like a very advanced rewrite systems. We want to have like a very sound, nice meta theory and know exactly what's going on.
2: I think the main point is just
1: like, give me something I can code my definitions in. <laughs> I think the main
0: point really is that if you if you leave that away, then you have you you will either have undefined behavior, or you actually have you're actually going to have a bug somewhere. And if you have a bug somewhere, what this means in a in a proof is that your your proof compiles but it's wrong, right? What does that mean for a flying plane? With, yeah. <laughs> with formally verified software <laughs> yeah but what does that mean for a math proof those are two, two very different things so I think i think the main point that i want to make is that for formalizing for software maybe we should care about the formal properties but for formalizing mathematics
1: maybe it's okay to be a little more lenient about that that would be an interesting i don't know i mean it's it's almost like this is kind of ex- Experimentation in that. I don't know. I mean, the fact that they're willing to uh, consider making those design decisions, just so it's better supports that community is already kind of interesting. I don't know. Instead of having Oh, here, we've created this tool, we've researched this type theory, we have made it practical. Uh, now, these people have built these fun things in it. But you're not really like, I don't know catering necessarily toward your crowd. I mean to some degree you are <laughs> trying to make things nicer to use.
0: Those so, a very good point, yes. I def- I agree.
2: You could you could also view it as just going the other way around. Like for example, they like <laughs> pulling back to Scala once again. Yeah.
1: They yes. developed
2: the compiler and then eventually they developed the theory. like I said it took almost a decade for them to come up with dependent object types as a type theoretical foundation. So yeah. develop the language for the people who you want to use it and then slowly start showing how to build things the right way and let your decision let, let your discoveries of the meta theory inform how to patch your compiler.
1: Until you get C, right? No, I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: I don't know. I,
1: I'm yeah.
0: not sure if I agree with that entirely. Because it's much easier to build something from right from first principles, from the ground up, than to have, what if what if the whole foundation of your compiler is just, just unsound, just wrong? So in order to make a change in this foundation, you literally have to change the whole language. Think, think of it this way. Maybe you come up with, with a discovery later on in your meta theory, that one of your constructors is badly, like doesn't behave as you expected because of this type thing. And then in order for you to go back, you have to slightly change the syntax of your language, you know, like the, the, the actual tree of your language. So if you're changing the tree of a compiler, you're literally changing the whole compiler and that's a huge pain. Hmm. So, well, sure you could, could
2: do it like that, but it, it would be so much rework so much rework. Well, there there actually have been some changes which led to a lot of rework even in the Scala compiler. For for instance at some point of time, it was actually possible to encode the SKI combinators within Scala's type language alone, which as you that's... can see would be a big problem. And now well, yeah, nowadays that's not allowed. Follow. anymore. What is that? Uh S- the SKI combinators, they're, they're basically just three combinators which are uh, they're equivalent Antibed to lambda the lambda calculus. calculus. Right? Yeah. Essentially you could you you could write a like you could write a small DSL within the type language for the untyped lambda calculus. So that means yeah. you can you can write omega which is like lambda x yes. X, x Yes. Okay, this was okay. this was a bug which was discovered in Scala 2 and I I believe they patched it in Scala 3 or maybe in one of the later versions of Scala 2. So yes, you are right. A lot of major compiler rewrites had to
0: happen. So just just yeah. for for the listener to to follow it a little better maybe, uh, so if you can if you can write down simple type lambda calculus, it means that you you can have an unbounded recursion, right? So lambda x x x, it means you're applying a function to itself, and that never terminates. So you're building on non termination, and that really breaks your type system. So what you're saying is that they found a bug where they could come up with non termination, but but. Non-termination is, is fine for, a, 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 a... oh, in the type system. So in non-termination type yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Be
1: careful where you put that non-termination. Right,
0: right, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Your type system must be terminated. Mm-hmm. Your, your, your type checking must terminate. Yes. Very important. <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to mm-hmm. compile if it doesn't terminate?
1: Yes. Speaking of, I guess like type theories and constructing proof assistance out of them, uh, there was a paper in this Popple, about observational type theory, and I think might have come up in Ben's research group. Oh yeah, for one of the paper readings. Um, I don't, I don't think I've seen uh, or played with a nice implementation of an observational type theory to kind of get a hands-on feel for uh, what it's like to work in it. Either are you aware of an implementation?
2: Uh, I think Epigram uses observational-type theory, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, really? I, I've, I've never opened wrong. up
1: Epigram. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that I mean was McBride. McBride, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like, he himself laments on his webpage about how Epigram hasn't taken off. It's McBride's writing is amazing. I love him. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: I, I see a lot of that, especially when um, this observational-type theory came out. This this new paper, and he's like, "Yep, see this stuff, and my stuff that gets rejected years ago is now relevant." <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Thorsten and
0: Altenkirch also worked on epigram because I definitely remember asking him on, on his episode, like, "What about epigram? What's going on?" He's like, "Yeah, it's gonna kind of die, you know." I think, <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh man, oh. I think it was. Uh, I think he gave Connor gave a talk at the Topus Institute. Uh and he was yeah, lamenting about how Epigram is in its grave, blah 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: so I'm curious, since you since you brought it up, uh I I never like I never really got down to digesting the benefits of observational type theory. I understand it's it's supposed to be some kind of middle ground between extensional and intentional type theory, but like where exactly does that middle ground lie? Do you know?
1: I don't off the top of my head. It's it's something I I read I read one one of the earlier papers. I think it might have been by Connor himself instead of people who followed his work as derivatives. Uh, right. This is a while ago. Um, I, I I really don't know. It's it's something that's it's, it's like near the top of my my list my queue. <laughs> that's why I I like to play with like implementations first to kind of get a feel for them and then go to the Greek. <laughs>
2: <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. <sighs> well, I think
0: I think we covered everything that I had to cover and way, way much more, which is awesome. I think we had a really nice conversation. We definitely mentioned a bunch of cool stuff. Hey, Eric, I have I have a a cool a cool update for you that I think you're going to enjoy is One thing that we didn't have the chance to go through, but I think it's not super worth it for this episode anymore. Because I think we we already talked about some stuff that is much more interesting. But I was also looking at some cool projects on on the Agda side. Oh, yeah. And Jasper Cox is working on a tactic library for Agda. Oh,
1: That's exciting, huh?
2: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, because
1: currently all you have is... Very ag- agsy and pray to god like I mean you can <laughs> you can be like hey I'll, I'll let you you know unfold definitions or I'll give you a few definitions and unleash it but it's it's, it's bad <laughs> 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 I mean Agda to me is just kind of like I don't know it's like a blackboard where it's nice and pretty and I can put my definitions and everything is nice and concise uh but I, I really forward. don't use it for proving.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I was curious about that though. So to my understanding, they're using some kind of meta programming monad. Is it similar to MTAC and Cock? I actually this was this came up in Wits. Um
1: it I think it's like this elaboration uh this is something I can actually just post the link to afterwards. I don't know off the top of my head. Um but I think I I think I got a slight demonstration of that. <laughs> Where you're, he's like quoting the syntax and returning Agda terms for proof search. Yeah, that's cool.
0: It's pretty cool. You know, this this quotation stuff is something that that really goes over my head <laughs> because, for example, like if you're using a Lisp family language, then it's kind of like. It plays a major role, right? And, and how how your programs and quotation. What's the idea? Like, why 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 would you like to quote things? Like, how does
1: it help you? I'm sorry. I'm, tra- sorry. I'm trying to pull up the. Uh, I have I saved the Wits tutorial, so I actually have it here. It is reflection monad syntax. Uh, yeah. Sorry to interrupt that, but yeah, here this is this is like the, this is what he pulled up in the workshop as an example. Um, this? Jasper Cox. Oh, really? This is the workshop he did. Uh, he was macro. just talking about the system and his pro- like problems he was having with it.
2: Is is mm-hmm. macro like the new keyword, or did that always exist and I just didn't know about it?
1: I I mean I have not used macro, so I yeah.
0: Macro. Oh,
1: I think I yeah, I it's the, it's like line it. sixteen there. I think. But yeah, this is this is an example of um, yeah, because you you have access to the type checker in this too. Damn.
0: Yeah. Some cool stuff. Well, we'll make sure to post that in the links in the description yep. as well. Oh, I see so what's the idea of quasi quotation like it it gets for you what what's what's quasi quotation i i really have trouble
1: getting my head around yeah i'm yeah i'm not sure what he's referring to in that comment lack of quasi quoting of terms in both expressions and
2: patterns i mean i think the original motivation for quotation in list-based systems was to design like programs to for artificial intelligence and such and but um, yeah I'm not super sure either this this is an open question for me as well like in what contexts would you choose to use quotation over other techniques?
0: Okay so I think that's homework for all of us yep. what, what, what... <laughs>
2: <laughs> well. I oh, think one other thing that I wanted to actually bring up because, like, mm. uh, I I think I forgot yeah. to throw it on the list. Uh Have you guys been following the work on uh the like the recent Idris work? No, Idris, no, I, yeah, yeah. Blood so... Bloodwind is out though, mm-hmm. right? Sorry,
0: what's that? So Idris had a major new release that was supposed to be called Bloodwind.
2: Oh, and... okay. No, I, I, I don't no, know. I, I wasn't familiar with the name. I was more familiar with. Uh, a particular facet of the type system called okay. quantitative type theory, where oh, they have finally learned how to like marry dependent types and resource calculi. Like it's 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 quite beautiful actually. I absolutely loved that paper. Uh I think it was this Bob is... a- Oh sorry. Go I, ahead. Think it, I think it was Bob Atke who um uh actually wrote the quantitative type theory paper. It was based on a previous system by Connor McBride, but uh, there was a small bug within the paper, uh, mm. which was caught in this one. And he furthered the meta theory to something which I believe Idris is now using uh, in its wow, base type system.
1: Fun. Yeah. Yeah. So... I, I see um, one from Edwin Brady that's a little bit more recent in 2021 uh, Idris 2, Quantum Type Theory in Practice. Uh, and it says in this paper we introduce Idris 2 and how quantitative type theory type theory has influenced its design. Interesting. Yeah, give some examples and benefits of it in practice, including expressing which data is erased at runtime at the type level. Ooh, fun. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's, it's very exciting because, uh, so I really like this paper because before this paper, I would simply view contexts as partially ordered sets. But this paper yeah. gave you the perspective that if you simply change that view to viewing them as vectors instead, you can track yeah. resources, and that that is that is a very elegant idea, in my opinion. Wow. Hmm. Wait, but ha- hang on. Uh,
0: can Can you say that again? So you see the the what so, as a vector?
2: All right. So context, typically, I the way I was like oh, viewing them when okay. I was trying to model them was. Sets containing like your variable and the type associated with it, but they're also Uh,
1: ordered because of dependency, right?
2: Yes, ordered because of dependent types. That's a telescope,
1: just should be more precise. Yes, a telescope.
2: And uh, quantitative type theory says let's also annotate all these variables with a quantity, and suddenly you have a view of these contexts as vectors. And this is an important view because. Uh, some of the typing rules require you to add con- like two different contexts together to combine the resources and such. I like, uh, nice. l- I guess it would get too technical if I went into the details, but it, it was a very pretty idea. And I really, is it, it,
1: wait, is it more than getting rid of, what is it, exchange or weakening, like a substructural logic thing? Like, th- th- like where you can't permute your context or you can't permute entities in your context and you can't duplicate them or something like that is that essentially what's
2: being uh, enforced here is that the linearity part i'm not i'm not sure about the can't permute part i i wasn't yeah so but uh, uh i guess you can guess, yeah weakening weakening is not uh i don't yeah. believe weakening is permitted in this system okay are, and okay,
0: uh, okay. i have a oh, question <clears throat> also yeah this this sounds similar
2: to linear type system. How does it relate? Oh, it's very similar to linear type systems. So linear type systems are systems where uh, all the quantities are either one or many. Mm. You can annotate things as linear. So quantitative uh, type systems say they, they, they basically just extend the ring further. Right. You have and and you can I I believe you can choose any ring for a quantitative type theory. Tim. Like if, if, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, uh, we'll put in the comments of your video, whether or not I'm bullshitting on this. But I, I do believe that you can choose the ring. Uh, there was a proof assistant that was being developed at IISC in Bangalore. I, I don't know too much about it, but I've always wanted to dive into it because it sounded very interesting. It was this thing called Proving Grounds developed by a certain Siddharth Gajila, I think I might have butchered that name uh it's 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 very interesting so it uses homotopy type theory in order to prove things i believe there was also a component to it which was trying to do natural language processing on mathematics which is absolutely fascinating unfortunately at the time that like i was in like at the time that i came across this i was still an absolute noob when it comes to type theory and such so i but but I do hope to like go back there and try to actually digest what he's done over there. It it looked fascinating.
1: Right?
2: Yeah, I've found
1: it. Oh, interesting. I yeah, I'm trying to get a better understand. Oh, they have some. I see a website and some tutorials. Proving ground.
2: Semi-automated theorem proving. That sounds that sounds
0: really cool. Cool stuff. Yeah. I, I, mean, this is, I find it very exciting to see all these new projects coming coming along in, in, in this line, you know, like tier improving, automated tier improving, or interactive tier improving. How this is slowly trying to get more mainstream. I think that's that's really nice and
1: cool. Really nice and cool. Yeah, it was interesting to hear from <clears throat> Uh, Kevin Buzzard saying, yeah, I'm trying to teach, we're trying to build up a a, a repertoire of like undergraduate math libraries so that we can teach our undergrad math students using these tools.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's, it's, so one one of the things that Leo talks about a lot is how how we got a point in mathematics that it can be really hard for someone to double check your proofs because they're so huge. And it's very hard for another person to, to know what you're doing, like to, to be in the, the actual same sub, 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 sub field that specialize so much that he's going to be able to follow every single detail of what you're doing, right? What if we have this beautiful world that does that automatically for you and you can trust this beautiful world that your proof is actually correct? And bug free, and they don't actually have to understand all the the minor details, because you know that the, the tool understood it under the hood and guarantees that things are being done properly. And there is also another another very interesting argument, which is these proofs are huge, and many many times they have many tedious similar cases, right? That it should be easy to discharge one of. One of the reasons why the four-color theorem was made in, in Coq is because a lot of the proof was just proof search, just computation, you know, like just just brute force. And you can do that really well in theorem provers. That's what computers are for. Computers are really good at doing dumb stuff many times, many, 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 many times. <laughs> and and turns out that some proofs are just like that. And what if we can tap into that? It's the best of all the world, all the possible worlds, and that's great. There is another another very interesting project as well. Since we are talking about you know like other projects that is you know like how theorem proving is kind of trying to creep into the mainstream. I, when I was looking into different core correct stuff going on, I found this language called Kind.
2: Yes, formerly Formality.
0: Well, oh wait, it used to be Formality, right? So, like, yes. I, I think they they went Ooh. through a major rebrand,
1: mm-hmm. and Why'd there gonna... was this. Yeah, wait. What? What? I know this name. What, sorry. Keep. keep... I'm, trying, I'm just trying to Google this now because I knew Formality.
2: Yes, Victor um, do you want to talk about it language. language? Oh, sure. Uh, I think, honestly, you're better equipped to talk about it because, uh, okay, so formality is based on this very simple, minimal dependent type system, which allows this construct known as a self-type. Now, these are not the same as self-types within like uh, Scala or such. Uh, Self-types basically allow the type of a variable, a, a type of an expression to contain the expression itself. And apparently, with this very simple construct, you can actually do a lot of really powerful dependently typed things. And uh, Victor Maya developed the language, uh, which was once called Formality. Now it's called Kind. He his goal was to create a minimalistic, pr- like proof assistant, which also runs blazingly fast. So, uh, ki- so self types allow you to develop. What what is I believe an uh what's the word extensional type system similar to I, I believe the f- ty- like the concept of self types was first introduced by Aaron Stump in the Cedil language although I think Cedil has since moved away from it I'm not super sure I don't think
0: Cedil has ever had it it's always been intersection well, uh, dependent intersection types but definitely yeah, self types is kind from of, Aaron Stump yeah
1: yeah they were kind of like self types. By being what is it, ex, not extensional intrins, extrinsic or whatever mm-hmm. under that interpretation. Think, anyway,
2: <laughs> so I I find it really fun to simply follow Victor Mayer's like Medium page and just track his progress through this because you find a lot of really interesting tidbits in there. Like, uh, for example, he implements something within it known as uh, Lamping's optimal lambda calculus evaluation, or or something of the sort, and. I have not gone through that in detail yet, but there is a very interesting post which he has, which where he says that he has discovered that for some reason on particular algorithms, his, uh, his, his new language seems to have negative complexity, where you increase your input <laughs> and it decreases the time in which it runs. And I have not understood it. I, I do plan on going back there, but it's absolutely fascinating and like... It's certainly something
0: I want to look at. That's in, in, in now data. that's something. Now that's something. Yes. Wow. Huh. That but fun. you know, one thing. One mm-hmm. thing that that I don't know. Um, I've been I've been lurking and looking in, in formality that
2: apparently is now called kind. I'm, I'm not yes. sure if they're the same. Are, are they? Uh, they seem to be. At least the type system seems to have so, uh, remained intact. One thing.
0: One thing that I don't quite understand is because. If I remember correctly, the reason why Aaron moved away from self types is because he couldn't quite develop the method theory for it to be sound.
2: So. Right. So I I think that. uh, So a lot of papers nowadays, when they're trying to introduce dependent types into practical programming languages, they actually do forego soundness. If you look at the zombie paper, uh there there are certain there there's this paper, I think it was system I sub which talks about integrating subtyping and dependent types. Like a lot of them do permit rules which allow for inconsistency. Mm-hmm. The, the the general idea is that sure you can like screw things up in this language, you can prove things which may not be uh be true, but it's not likely that you will do so and we're still providing so- a lot higher security guarantees than you would get otherwise. And I think kind also goes on that philosophy, although um, although personally, I don't really know how you would prove false in uh, using self-types, but it does, I mean, the concept of using your term within the type of the term is very suspect. Like, <laughs>
1: hmm. yeah, that's, that's odd. That's a, a that's very tricky relation between type and term.
2: Though, uh, you you mentioned that Aaron Stump said that self-types are, did he he fail to prove that they are sound or did he prove that they are unsound?
0: Yeah, if I remember correctly, again, I might be slightly mistaken, but when I was actually more proactively looking into this, which was a couple of years ago by now, he actually proved that the way he was talking about it was inconsistent. So I think that the main the main idea is maybe there there are ways to patch it up, but Aram himself decided to move directions and go to intersection types instead. I, yeah, you know. Anyway, so my, my 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 main point here is not about you know like stumbling upon these errors. It's more of I don't know. I feel like there is a lack of of formalism in the sense of, I'm not convinced anything works, you know, like there is no intuition of why this calculus should should work. That's my that's my complaint. Or may, maybe I'm just, you know, like, because I've, I've thought about this a little bit because like we're in academia and, you know, like we have all this pressure to publish and to prove correctness and to be scientific, precise, right? And make things from first principles, and I don't know. Maybe we're just trying to well, m- this maybe just trying to what's what's the word? Um, um, gatekeep the access <laughs> for programming languages and interactive theorem purposes Maybe it's it's a possibility. Like mm-hmm.
2: we and like certainly when you say a language may not work it means very different from someone in the industry who develops compilers saying the same thing
0: yeah yeah like
2: like, you're pointing at different objects yeah
0: maybe maybe i should invite victor victor to my podcast that'd be interesting oh that would be
2: fascinating actually yeah
0: yeah, am i'm curious how would that go he's brazilian as well I'm actually talking to another Brazilian on Twitter that is working on this. That's why, like, I was asking if they were using self-types and and whatnot. I'm gonna do. I'm so, gonna make him more questions. Well, uh, thank you so much for being here with me. I think we had an amazing conversation. We touched so many subjects. It was, I don't know, I felt like it was kind of light in the sense of we're just, you know, going through a bunch of different projects and. Sharing our knowledge and discussing what we think about stuff. I hope the the listener doesn't take our words as complete truth, because oh, yeah, please
2: don't. <laughs> we, we are dumb as truth. fucks. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: Is there any final thoughts, complaints, or you know, words in general you guys would like to share?
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, I'd actually like to give uh, another shout out for. I'd like to give a shout out to the uh, the Topos Institute um, and their workshops on uh, polynomial functors. There, it's become like a really interesting and active research area for applied category theory, and that includes sort of the type theorists, the type theorists, and them representing like data types and stuff like this, but also like. Uh, the also using these tools like representative like systems and their behaviors like coalgebras and stuff like this. So they have uh a a seminar going on uh it's called intercats it's a seminar on categorical interaction and there's gonna be things like profunctor optics and lenses and stuff like this but um it's It's a larger community than just functional programmers and type theorists. It's other other folks in applied category theory. so it I, I think it's an interesting area to meld with uh, folks outside our uh, usual community, but on topics that we know.
0: But wait, so it's it's a series of workshops that happen constantly. How oh, it's a seminar work?
1: series on their on their site. I'll I'll, I'll post the link. They also okay. have a workshop on polynomial functors. Uh, a lot of the, there's a, an interesting intersection where you have uh, folks from the mathematically uh, structured programming group at the University of Strathclyde under Connor McBride. Uh, you also have like Bartosz mil, mil-, mil- ah, I can't. Sorry, I apologize, Miliewski. The, uh, the functional programmer uh, icon. And then you also have a lot of researchers from the, the hot community as well, um, like Steve Alladay and Emily Ryle will make appearances, but then folks outside of this community as well, like other people in applied category theory. It's, a very, it's just very interesting if you're looking for something that's not traditional <laughs> CS stuff, but is on topics we know.
0: <laughs> yeah, big shout out to DOPA's workshops or Awesome. Well, thank you so much, guys, for coming. I hope we can do more of these episodes in the future. I, I hope you guys yeah, had fun. Until round
1: three. Uh, until round three. <laughs> round three. <laughs> Take
2: care. <laughs>
0: This episode was different than usual but i hope you guys too enjoyed but i want to know you guys opinion what are your favorite tools in cock what did you wish existed there and why send us your thoughts in our website type theory all.com or interact with us on twitter at tt all and one more thing i'd like to share today is that I don't know if you guys saw this but the Oregon Programming Languages Summer School has opened its applications. There it gathers a bunch of really cool researchers in PL for a week or two to teach all the cool stuff happening in PL and it doesn't really matter your expertise level because they usually cover subjects from the most introductory to the most novel in our field. It will happen from June 20th to July 2nd. If you think this is interesting, make sure to check their website and apply ASAP. You can find the link in our description. I think that's it for today and I'll see you guys next time.